Bogdanovich wide open, deep three swish, and it's a two point game. So we'll see whether the Thunder's youth kicks in again. Donovan gives it to Rudy, gets it right back, hesitates, rises, high arcing jumper, got it, Donovan Mitchell. And the Jazz have regained the lead on a 9-0 run. Conley comes to get it. Conley drives with the left hand, bounces to Donovan, guarded by Dort, 10 seconds left. Drives with the left hand, puts it off the glass and in, Donovan Mitchell puts the Jazz up by one, 110-109 with seven seconds to play. Hans and Scotty, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Time to check in with the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Uh, brought to you by the Murdoch uh, Auto Group, as always. David, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. Christmas. Gorgeous, gorgeous Utah day today. Yeah, Beautiful. no doubt. I'm surprised uh, you're not on a uh, slope somewhere. So am I. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you are. Maybe you are right now. I'm not. Um, I'm not hiding how often I've done it recently. I'm just stunningly. I'm surprised I'm not also. Well, I mean, look, I, I the non-traveling thing I, I know is is kind of a pain in the butt, and to not be able to capture the emotion of the moment. But with that said, you know, there there may be some upside here. It's trying make the best of what you have, and when I um, going to surpass, I'm going to guarantee I'm going to surpass my age and days. And uh, I'm shooting for 80. How uh, Christmas good for the family? Uh, obscene. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Is that the right word to describe Christmas? <laughs> it was in our house. <laughs> oh man! Might have done permanent damage to them, actually. Oh really? Oh. You're not coming yeah, back no, from this, huh? No, I think huh? there's a chance. I think that they got spoiled so rotten that there could be permanent damage done, with the expectations of life. Your oldest and my oldest are nearly the same age, and uh, it just it, it's funny how I thought, you know, now that they're out of high school and stuff, maybe we we can kind of pull it back down to earth a little bit, and that didn't happen this year. No, not at all, because the toys that they get now are toys that I want to do with them, and those uh, toys are more expensive than magnetiles, which used to be the most expensive thing you could give someone. Yeah, that's true. Hey, how impressed are you with – Donovan Mitchell able to turn it on late, even though for you know a good portion of that game it wasn't going for him. So he went two of thirteen last year and guarded by Lou Dort, and then you know the same things going on last night. Um, give me one second. He was five of fourteen when guarded by Lou Dort to finish the night. So that's probably means that if we he was probably about one of ten at one point. So you know he's in his career. He's a somewhere in the range of about 3 of 23 when being guarded by Lou Dort. And Conley's rolling and Boyan's rolling. And, you know, it's a pretty easy night to just say, you know what, like, I don't have it. These guys better, somebody else better carry the load tonight. I'll do it all the other nights. And instead he does the exact opposite and scores 12 points in the final 536. So I think it shows you a lot about Donovan. Uh, we've known he's special the whole time. He just was a quick reminder to us of, of who he is. It was a quick reminder that, like, as truly brilliant as, as Mike Conley was last night, um, and, boy, were he and Rudy just magical on the pick and roll together. Um, but, you know, it's Donovan's team, and he carried him to a win. Is there any chance we get to see more Derek Favors and Joe Ingles on the court together? 11 minutes for favors and, and 20 for Joe, but man, their pick and roll action and their magic together is impressive too. So, the, you know, 
I'm with you, and we feel it. They made a nice play together last night, and actually Joe is the one who's clicking with Donovan, with Derek right now more so than anyone else's. Mike and Derek have not found the vibe yet, and Donovan and Derek haven't either. I, I just I – I, I'm stuck here because my numbers are just too much in my head to be able to just kind of take this narrative and roll with it. I, I'm, I'm fighting the narrative a little bit. So Joe and Rudy are better than Joe and Derek statistically over the last, they were the same two years ago. And last year, Joe and Rudy were better than Joe and Derek. Hmm. Um, and everyone in Rudy right now is through the roof, mm-hmm. through the roof. Like Rudy's evolution as a pick setter to get guys free mm-hmm. is, is incredible right now. So while I think the Joe Ingles, Derek favors pick and roll warms our heart, the math on it, is not as outstanding as we as the narrative says it is. Interesting. Because the eye says it's incredible. Right. Cause, but it's also that once you've said, you know, they, they do make a lot of plays and they do a lot of things really well. And once you say to yourself, like, you know, it's awesome, then you only remember those plays, right? Like that's, you know. Um, but lat, so the numbers, I'm doing this off the top of my head, you know, just in the simplest form, we're about a point per possession possession on the Joe Ingles, Derek Favors pick and roll two years ago, which was the same at the same time was Joe and Rudy, Joe and Rudy last year had an exceptional year together. I think they were about the sixth best pick and roll combination in the NBA last year. Joe and Don or Rudy and Donovan were the eighth best. And then after Clarkson was added to the group and so that the offensive spacing got a little bit better and the pick and roll was even more potent. Joe and Rudy from January 1st on were the number two pick and roll combination of the NBA last year. Wow. Hey, speaking of Rudy, uh, David James, and I don't know if you heard this or not, but Rudy gave a classic Rudy Gobert answer last night uh, when asked by DJ uh, if he's surprised the teams still try to attack him, especially in late game situations. Here's Rudy's response. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's a great strategy, but you know we gotta, you know we gotta play d- defense how we we want to play it, and uh, we want them to to attack me. You know that's that's the whole game plan, and uh, you know it's on me to uh, try to make sure they don't score easily under the basket. I wouldn't say it's a great strategy, but that's what <laughs> we want them to do. <laughs> Okay, so I've got so many notes here, and I'm going to need you to interrupt me because I'm about to go on like a 10-minute monologue. Well, Ready, I you go. A, I already did a 30-minute monologue on it. That's what I do every morning. So, okay, first number for you. Last night when Rudy Gobert, according to NBA stats, was the primary defender, Oklahoma City shot 11 of 30. Okay. So that's basically 33%. Yeah. It also means they shot 29 of 46 when Rudy was not the primary defender, that's which quite, is, okay, 30 of 45, we can do that yeah, 67%. That's quite a discrepancy there. Yes. Okay, so so Rudy's right. The entire strategy of the Jazz is to have teams attack Rudy. Um, here's the problem. Rudy's too good. And so no one's – like, they ran pick and roll like a million times last night, and I don't even know if they scored on it. Like, I know it felt like they were scoring at will, but, like, if you actually go watch their pick-and-roll, I don't – I mean, I'm sure they scored at some point in time, but if they ran 80 pick-and-rolls last night, my guess is they got 30 points because they couldn't do anything on the pick-and-roll with Rudy. 
And you can't do anything on a handoff because of Rudy. So what we're left with is teams are now just spacing Rudy out because they have a big like Al Horford, Carlin Towns, and just driving one-on-one on our guys. And we're not doing a great job defending it. It's kind of our weakness is that we don't have these great like athletic Robert Covington, Derek Jones, like Portland added defensive wing or wings. Now, both those guys also just, I use them purposely because they went over 11 combined from three last night. Um, we have, we have taken and, you know, made the move to offensive players and teams are just, you can't do anything with Rudy. He's just too darn good. And so teams are just driving one on one on our guys. And that's why teams are getting to the rim and teams are getting open three point shots is because we have to help off those drives. And that the, I, I'm a little nervous that the game plan is out. Like, and it's not necessarily the game plan out. It's just that Rudy's so great. Like, why would you bother with him? Which leads to the final play of the game. Yeah, that's what, what I was gonna, doing. That's what I was going to ask you. Doing? What were they trying to do on that final possession? I, I, hey, it's a coach in his third game in the NBA, and it was a beautiful play call. It's just the wrong one, right? Like, just get simple and just lift Horford to the wing and run an isolation on the other side of the floor. Like, just keep Rudy out of the play. And then I did it on Locked on Jazz today. I literally went frame by frame. Rudy's defense on that play is incredible. Everything from backing up three steps when Horford gets the ball so that if they handed it off to Gilgis Alexander, he would have been able to handle it. They don't hand it off. He Horford then thinking that Rudy's going to overplay the fake handoff, spins to go the dribble right because Rudy actually was smart enough to drop back two steps. He cuts him off immediately. Horford either at that point now is playing the second option, which is George Hill, really interesting play, streaking down the floor. He actually has a step, like if he was a wide receiver, he had a step in the inside route on Mike Conley. But Rudy has now shipped over there so that that pass wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Conley, now Rudy's all the way back in the restricted area at this point. Horford's above the free throw line. Horford throws it back out top to Gilgis Alexander. Rudy gets back into the play and switches onto Gilgis Alexander. And then the little thing that Rudy did that was so interesting to me, and I'm going to actually call some coaches about this today, is Rudy takes a step at Gilgis Alexander. He doesn't just retreat back like he's, he switches to him, but he steps toward him and changes his angle away mm-hmm. from the basket one step so that shot goes up from seven feet out outside of the paint rather than just retreating to try to block it. And to Gilgis Alexander's credit, he took it kind of off step. Rudy actually never got a chance to jump. But he had changed his angle so badly that it wasn't a good shot by taking the step toward him, which at 7-2 is a pretty remarkable thing to do, guarding at 15 feet. He's just awesome. Which which would typically end up a lot of times in, in a foul if you if you get yourself to that position without that length and, and, you're, and, and you're trying to defend it. 100%. That's the risk, right? Yeah. But um, but and, he but he, he because of his length and his athleticism and his movement – He's able to, you know, contest and and defend that shot without the foul. That's it's incredible to me, David. Yeah, no, he he's just so great. I mean, it's just a pleasure to watch every night, and you know, I think we all know it. And um, um, I think this is, you know, I think this is what made him worth it. And maybe some other people across the country, though, I didn't think there was a huge amount of kickback on the Jazz for paying him all that money. I mean, it's a lot, and it's an overpay, certainly because the system creates an overpay like but let's get over it like he's ours he's great and we won another game because of him last night yeah i mean like simply like we've done i can't tell you like i think dan clayton of salt city hoops did this to his credit and maybe it was dan's brother 
one of them did how many games Rudy won last night, last year defensively. Like if you talked about game winning stops as game winning shots, well, I mean, it's incredible. They just did it again last night. Mm-hmm. And they, the block on Baisley, by the way, two plays earlier is stupid also. Yeah. Yeah. David, I'm not a big triple double guy. I don't, I don't really care. I mean, I, I just want teams to win, but I, I was shocked to see that the last triple double was Carlos Boozer back in whatever it was, 2008. I'm more shocked that Mike Conley doesn't have one. And then the other one that's shocking to me is how few times Mike Conley has 10 assists. Yeah. Very shocking. Like, I think if I, I don't have it in front of me, but am I right that Mike Conley like has 10 assists like three times and 10 rebounds twice in his career? Yeah. Something crazy like that? Yeah. It sounds about right. Like I was stunned that Mike Conley had never had one. So no, I'm not a triple double either guy. Cause like, does, did Mike Conley's night get better if Donovan had taken one dribble instead of three to hit that shot last night? <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's stupid. Uh, Mike Conley was awesome last night. And I really think um, Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert scored every time they ran a pick and roll last night. <laughs> like, that combination that didn't understand each other a year ago, oh, boy, they are great right now. Now, maybe it's only three games in the season, and maybe it's against, you know, we our sample size is small. But, oh, boy, it- are they special right now. Now, I also think what would be really interesting on that is the way Quinn is using Derek and Mike right now is that De- Rudy's playing three stints instead of two. So Rudy used to play, you know, 10 minutes and then sit for, um, I'd have to do the math, six and come back and play eight and he'd play like about 36 a night. And he'd end up almost always playing all of his minutes against starters. Right now, Rudy's playing about six minutes. He's sitting for, I think, three or four. And coming back for four and then playing another six, if that's math comes out right, I think that's 16 minutes, so that's about right. Um, what that means is he's playing a middle four to five minutes against sometimes against second-team centers. It's worth keeping an eye on because it's kind of constitutionally illegal. Like there are amendments to the Bill of Rights that don't allow Rudy Gobert to play second-tier second players. <laughs> Illegal in 17 states, including Puerto Rico. Thank you. <laughs> uh, in regards to Mike Conley, though, it does feel like we're seeing the evolution of uh, bubble Mike Conley uh, with, with this jazz team. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've told this story before, and I'll continue to tell it because I'll have no other interactions with players this year to make a new story. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the greatest part of my job prior to this year was just the one-off conversations you might just have with someone about things like walking across the court with him or just talking to him for a minute and just in an elevator or just in a hotel. And I had all these conversations with Mike last year and they were all predicated on this, like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be so awesome. You've never gotten to do this, or you've never had another ball handling wing. You know, you you've played with Tony Allen and you know, your Tony Allen was his shooting guard for years and, and, uh, Torian, not Torian Prince, uh, Tayshawn Prince, like neither of them can dribble and shoot gum at the same time. So like, it seemed like this great thing, like, oh my gosh, you're with all these other ball handlers and you're one of the great spot up shooters in the league. And you're going to get all these opportunities and you've never played with a law big before. Like, I remember all of these conversations we had and with all couches, the positive, what maybe dawned on Mike during these conversations, but never dawned on me was, oh my gosh, these are all new things that are totally different than anything you've ever done before. And as great as they sound, they're all going to be difficult to learn. And that's what Mike went through last year, coupled with, you know, the hamstring injuries and the pressure of 
being the new guy in town and having that opening night that was terrible and the fact that he's, you know, a consider he's probably too considerate and so he's bothered by some of those things. And in turn, um, you know, I think that it was just a lot harder year. I remember doing the time of possession data early in the year on Mike last year and it was stunning how little he touched the ball. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's figuring this out. He's still not touching it a lot. It's going to be interesting. We clearly have decided that Donovan is our primary pick and roll player, which is seems right. But right now, Mike's efficiency is through the roof, and I'll be curious to see how we bring it, how we reintegrate him without um, negating Donovan. I love seeing that floater hit for him too. If it, like watching, you know, the first parts of the regular season last year, his floater, the touch on, on the teardrop just wasn't there in. And that's hitting for him. And then, you know, those two smooth mid-range that he hits right there in the first quarter when, when Donovan's struggling. Man, it's just it's nice to see. It's nice to see it well, happening. The other one is there's something going on with him and Rudy where he's rejecting the screen and somehow Rudy's twisting the pick in a manner that the – he, Rudy somehow, while well, the guy's guessing, or I don't know what's going on, but Mike Conley is getting the most open three-point shots off of pick and roll, mm-hmm. going what seems to be by going away from the pick, and then Rudy is flipping the pick back around the other way to get the guy. I, I, I'm, I'm actually there's two plays that the Jazz are running right now that I've got to figure out what Quinn's taught. Um, I, you know, again. It used to be a lot easier. Now we have to figure it out ourselves, which is like maybe I'm not smart enough to do this anymore. Um, one I've got figured out. It's the most beautiful play. It's Quinn Gobert goes and sets a pick about free throw line extended at the three-point line for basically it's a pin down, but it's a high pin down. And he they got bogey on it twice last night. The brilliance of this play is that Rudy is setting the pick at the free throw line extended outside the three-point line. Rudy's man, because Rudy has no offensive game, and everyone criticizes Rudy for this, is sitting in the middle of the paint, right? So Al Horford's just standing in the paint like, I don't care that Rudy's sitting at 24 feet. It doesn't matter because Rudy can't do anything there. Well, when Rudy picks Boyan's man off, there's no one to guard Boyan because Al Horford's sitting in the middle of the paint, not worrying about Rudy. Hmm. Pretty soon, you're going to watch the big have to come up with Rudy because the Jazz keep running this play and getting wide open threes on it. And the minute that happens, now Rudy's rolling to the rim behind the big or somebody on the weak side slashing to the basket, it's just going to open up a ton of things. That's one. And the two is something the Jazz are doing on these pick and rolls that are getting guys wide open off the bounce three-point shots right now. Wow. He's David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz and an overall good dude, too. David, you're the best, man. Appreciate it. We, you save that for last this time. Well, I mean, you know, I, I I just trying to reiterate it. Sometimes we say it at the beginning and it gets lost on people. just want to make sure it hits home. Good Talk to you soon. Hey, uh, hey, hey! Can I yeah. ask? Can I ask a question though, real quick? Yeah, yeah. Um, has Carter caught you? Uh, in what sense? Height? Height? No, he just squats three hundred and sixty-five pounds. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just, I was just looking at some pictures. I'm like, I think he may have caught. No, David. he just looks. He's just so lean. He's one hundred and fifty-five and squats three sixty. Um, so he just looks so much bigger than me because he's just so much stronger. What is, is he a, a downhill guy or is he a mogul Alpine guy? Richard. How about that, by the way? U.S. guy won Super G today in the World Cup. I know nobody ever talks about this, but huge day for the U.S. ski team. So he's a super. Okay, that just killed the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like, the crickets you're getting are us not knowing how to respond to that. Sorry. Yeah, I know. He's, he's, he's a super G? He's, 
He uh, does all of them. Nice. College racing, he, which he hasn't started yet, only does slalom and giant slalom. He'll do that next year. So he's he's stepping away from the speed um, events, which really breaks the heart of his parents. It's really yeah, it's really too bad that he's not going 75 miles an hour on skis any, very oh, often I'm, anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. It breaks my heart. Yeah. <laughs> All right, David. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Okay. See you. See you. Bye. David Locke, right here on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke's appearances brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. 